It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, you can download the iHeartRadio app and take us with you anywhere you go. I'm your host, David Moses, and it is a pleasure to welcome back to the show... Sarah Medanik. Sarah was last on the show. Oh, geez, we were just talking about that some time ago and uh, had to do with the Gord Downey Wenjack Fund because Sarah is, in fact, the president and CEO of the Gord Downey Cheney Wenjack Fund. And uh, we are talking to her today because there is another event coming up tomorrow that uh, has to do specifically with the uh, Gord Downey Chaney Wenjack Fund and broadcasters across Canada. And it is a a, a co-event that is trying to bring more attention and, and amplify Indigenous voices. And it's called A Day to Listen. So it's a pleasure to have Sarah back on the show to talk about this. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for the invitation back. I'm uh, really happy to be invited to speak about A Day to Listen. Mm. You know, it's unfortunate, of course, that we, we, we are talking about something that needs to happen, should have happened some time ago. It, it's wonderful that broadcasters have come together for this, of course, that want to do this. Uh, but it is, it, it's on a sad note because we all know why uh, this, this has happened most recently because of the 215 children that were found buried uh, in a mass grave in Kamloops. And then, of course, uh, just a few days ago, we had the other sad news um, in, in, in Saskatchewan with uh, more uh, buried, uh, buried uh, children found, 751 there that we have found so far. And, and of course, this may not be the end of it. No, absolutely not. And I think this is something that we've known in the Indigenous community for a long time. Mm. And, you know, the shock and the horror that was felt by, you know, Canada widely around these announcements is something that Indigenous communities and peoples and survivors and families have been feeling in their hearts for a very long time. So um, A Day to Listen was really an unprecedented collaboration between Bell Media, Chorus Entertainment, Rogers, Stingray, CBC, and other broadcasters from coast to coast to coast to come together, amplify, elevate, listen to, and learn from Indigenous voices. You know, while Canada is really listening and, you know, has has the attention, um, it's it's such an incredible opportunity to be able to lean in and learn and listen more. Mm. If we can go back a little bit for people that may not be that familiar with the uh, Downey uh, Wenjack Fund, um, this ties specifically and directly in to uh, Indigenous people and uh, Gord Downey, who at, uh, may have been, and I'm, I'm sorry my memory's failing me at this point, when he said, I believe it was his last concert, do something. Look to, look to the North and do something. Yeah, the Gord Downey and Chani Wenjack Fund was inspired by Chani Wenjack's residential school and 
the stories of 150,000 children like him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really uh, what, what began as a series of poems turned into a graphic novel, which turned into an animated film. And The Secret Path was really used um, as a teaching tool to teach about the true history and legacy of residential schools in this country. And the Gord Downey and Chani Wenjack Fund really came together organically from the momentum from the secret path. And mm-hmm. the work that we do um, aims to build cultural understanding and create a path towards reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples mm-hmm. in this country. And yeah. how do we do that? We provide access to education on the true history in, of Indigenous people in Canada and the true history and lasting impacts of residential schools. Um, it's a, Our Legacy Schools program is a free national program, and educators can sign up um, through our website. And we encourage reconciliation actions through our programming and events, including um, the event that we were privileged um, to be invited in to help coordinate um, on Wednesday, June 30th, uh, Data Listen. You said you were invited in to uh, help coordinate. Uh, how did that come about? I think, you know, with the the announcements out of Kamloops and out of Saskatchewan and, you know, the growing understanding of the horrific horrors and tragedies that have been inflicted on Indigenous people through the residential school system and are perpetuated today through um, systemic injustice, you know, there was sort of this moment of, oh my gosh, now, now that we know, what do we do now? What, mm. what can we do? And radio has such a wide reaching and uh, forward facing high touch um, opportunity to be able to hear more. You know, you hear the horrific news headlines and you think 251 lost lives, 700 plus, 751 lost lives, plus, plus, and that number is only going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Do Canadians really understand, you know, the humans behind those headlines, mm. those that have been impacted by the residential school system have, you know, have they had the opportunity to hear about the strength and resilience of Indigenous people in this country and, you know, learn about things that are other issues that are happening, such as missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, reclamation of culture and language, you know, the Indigenous economy and the opportunities available um, to really empower and amplify um, economic development mm. within communities. And, you know, Downey Van Jack uh, was approached um, to help coordinate um, the interviews and some of the voices. And uh, we were really honored and privileged to be able to play a little part and hope that this is just, you know, the very start of um a growing relationship with Indigenous people and broadcast radio in this country. You know, we're hoping that this isn't a one-off, but, you know, an annual, a monthly, a Mm. daily, you know, having Indigenous 
content creators and broadcasters and radio personalities. I mean, what you're doing at Element FM um, just become the norm. Mm-hmm. That that would be nice. Looking at the organization of the the Downey Wenjack organization, and over the years, and uh, you know, starting back to with what you say, the, the that organic uh, uh, growth that it, that it came out of. Have you have you seen a difference from then until now? You know, I think one of the concerns was, you know, this would last one sort of news mm. cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. I think there's been a real shift um, within Canadian consciousness where, you know, folks are willing to say, this is not okay. Like if these lives, like these, the lost lives of all these little children Mm -hmm. and their families. And, you know, if you think about this in just like a really, a really practical way, if there was an announcement of 250, 751, 100 plus, plus, plus lost children, everyone should be horrified. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is beyond a tragedy. This is beyond a dark part of Canada's history. This is, this is a human rights, a genocide. It is... You know, it is serious. And, Mm -hmm. you know, having that opportunity to face that and say, where do we go from here? And Downey Bunjack really tried to help with that conversation with the 215 pledge and, you know, just being able to garner that goodwill and momentum and the outpouring of support and try to help translate that through the five stages of grief into positive social action. And, you know, we can get 10,000 people to sign the pledge and Downey Bunjack can help facilitate, you know, the writing of letters to leaders and politicians and change makers uh, more easily than we can get 10,000 people to write a letter themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, a day to listen, what what will people be hearing uh, that day across the country on many broadcasting stations? There are actually over 400 radio stations participating. Wow, that's great. And um, just important to note that the interviews were recorded before the announcements from Saskatchewan. Mm. Um, But we were really grateful to get some time with Vice Chief Heather Bear of the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations um, to get her thoughts. We'll hear from folks like Phyllis Webstad, the founder of Orange Shirt Day, Mm. um, Shaina Novalinga, an Anak who uses social media to educate um, about her culture, Uh, award-winning Mi'kmaq poet Rebecca Thomas, DJ Osho, an Afro-Indigenous DJ and proud member of the Squamish Nation. Mm. You know, there's 17 different interviews um, from leaders and change makers and elders and survivors and knowledge keepers from across the company, across the country. Mm-hmm. And it's just a small, a, a small snapshot of some of the strength and resilience and beauty of Indigenous peoples 
um, from coast to coast to coast. And I wish we could have featured a thousand, um, but hopefully this is the start of, you know, more days to listen to come. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the idea is that that what what stations will be doing is dropping these interviews in uh, throughout the day of their broadcast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Is that right? That is correct. All right. So any one of these 400 stations right across the country. And, and would you say you, you that there is fairly good representation from across the country as well? We we did our very best um, to get a representative snapshot of experiences and, um, you know, views and perspectives. And, you know, the one thing I regret deeply is that, you know, we didn't have four or six months to put this together, but Mm. two weeks and, you know, we, we went in it with the best of intentions and we're really mindful of, the privilege and responsibility of honoring participants' stories and what they wanted to share and editing content for radio is, you know, how, how do you edit someone's story, someone's history, someone's trauma, someone's, you know, hope right. into radio sound bites? It, it was a, a pretty daunting task that we didn't necessarily um, recognize going into it. But throughout the process, and we worked with some amazing people um, like Rob from Orbit, who just, you know, really honored that if you're going to hold space to listen to Indigenous voices, then that doesn't include censorship. That doesn't include, Mm. you know, time limits. That Mm -hmm. means honoring the intention and the process and uh, the message in in these interviews and, you know, it, it was really done with the best of intentions and, you know, it's, it's never going to be enough because right. until every indigenous voice um, is heard and there's space for them to be heard, it's, it's not enough, but it's a start. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad you, you mentioned about the, the editing down of, of a story and how you do that and, and how can you even begin to do that um, because it's their words and it takes the time that it's going to take for that person to tell the story and to, to, to edit that, you're quite right. You know, what immediately what comes to mind for me is having worked in news and for APTN News and, and other news uh, broadcasters and having to do those stories that need to go to air within a certain time frame. And, and it, is, it always used to bother me that they had to be edited down, but they knew, I knew they had to be. Uh, that was the beast that, was, that was, we were working with within the time frames. Sometimes it felt like I wasn't telling a story as much as I was giving a headline, you know? Um, and, and so I'm very happy that you... Uh, brought up that because I think it might help people understand that what they're getting is not necessary, necessarily the entire story, but there is a there is um, you know you can delve into these things more on your own. Um, you know I think one of the things that people are being told or asked to do uh, is to look uh, to the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission and their their calls to action and and read the Truth and and, and uh, Reconciliation Commission report and and look at that and study it. I know um, I heard some 
some uh, some conversation the other day uh, on the radio talking about how people are going to celebrate Canada Day this year. I'm sure you've heard that as well and, and how that's going to uh, roll out. And, and some of those comments were that people had uh, gotten hold of the Truth and Reconciliation and they were going to be looking at that and studying it. And it was really interesting to hear how people... Um, we're, we're going to uh, approach celebrating uh, Canada Day this year. This, of course, being aired on June 30th, the day before Canada Day, um, is, is significant in itself uh, because of that. And, and hopefully it will help, uh, help, help trigger more of that facilitation of conversation and, and, uh, and moving things forward in a positive way out of these tragedies. Uh, one thing I just wanted to... Uh Note is that um, throughout the day, uh, a day to listen, it'll be driving folks back to downywenjack.ca. Yep. And we're actually posting the full interviews in their entirety on our website. So, you know, if you're looking for the unedited, you know, 20 mm. minute um, conversation, then uh, we're going to have those posted on our website as a way to learn more, a way. Um, to honor the participants and their stories and a way to just be able to work outside of the confines of, uh, of the radio model. <laughs> Sarah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. That's great. And and I was going to now these things are being broadcast across the country on radio, uh, as as you mentioned. But as you also mentioned, um, uh, the people can go to the downywindjack.ca website, uh, as as you said, to find out more. Where do they go to find out more about that? Is it just going to a day to listen? Yep, it's downywenjack.ca, uh, Day to Listen. If you just go to our homepage, you can link right off right off the homepage there. Okay. My guest here on Moment of Truth is Sarah Medanik. She is the president and CEO of the Gord Downey Chaney Wenjack Fund. It's a pleasure to have her on the show uh, as our repeat guest because we've had her on the show a couple of times before. Today we're talking about A Day to Listen, which is going to be broadcast on Wednesday, June 30th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. right across the country on many stations. As Sarah pointed out, about 400 stations across the country are participating in this A Day to Listen. And we've been talking a little bit about what, um, what, what will be heard. So throughout the day on your local station, you might hear uh, an announcement. You might hear a broadcast of, of uh, a piece of perhaps educational information. It might be a performance. It might be a story. There might be any number of things that, that will be happening throughout the day. Um, Sarah mentioned a couple of those things. Um, is there anything else you can elaborate on that, Sarah, just to give people a sense of what they might be uh, hearing that day? You know, it, it was kind of a tricky concept to wrap our heads around because mm. you think about how radio is consumed. Some people are have it on all day in the background, but, you know, some people are just driving in the car for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might just tune in and hear a few minutes of one story. And I just, I would really encourage everyone who's turning on the radio station on Wednesday um, that if your interest is is piqued, to really take that next step and, and to learn more, to educate yourself, mm-hmm. to, you know, read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's call to actions, you know, Figure out whose land you're on in 
in the community that you live. Mm. You know, continue learning. There's free courses online. And, you know, Dan Levy made one at the U of A, really popular. Um, support Indigenous artists and businesses. And if, you know, you want to stay engaged with the work that we're doing at Downey Wenjack to help support this movement, you can sign um, the 215pledge.ca or connect with us through our website at downywenjack.ca. But really the day is about listening, amplifying Indigenous voices and hearing the experiences, strength, resilience um, of Indigenous peoples from coast to coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is, of course, that sometimes these can be triggering events for people. So I believe I saw on your, your website that uh, you've listed all the, the national mental health crisis support lines as well. Yep, and those, um, uh, those announcements will also be interspersed throughout the day. Um, they were sent out with the media package that went to stations as well. So we're really mindful of making sure that we're taking care of community you know, these stories impact Indigenous folks differently than they'll impact non-Indigenous folks. And mm. we need to make sure that we're not um, perpetuating harm or trauma, but really um, using this opportunity to just help Canadians better understand the experience of Indigenous people in this country and to make that connection to the human behind these headlines and the humans that, you know, residential school and the 60 scoop and, you know, the child welfare and justice systems today perpetuate that, you know, there is action to be taken here. And it is to ensure that these injustices, these horrific tragedies are not continually perpetuated against Indigenous peoples today. And we all have the power to actualize that in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, a day to listen. You you already mentioned that if people want to, they can go to hear the full interviews um, on on your website by going to uh, the downeatwenjack.ca website, and then a day to listen by clicking on there. But um, what about the edited versions? Are they going to be up on your website as well after the day of uh, June thirtieth? That will stay there for people to go and visit and listen to. Yep, absolutely. Both versions will be up, and I believe some radio stations will be putting them up as well. Great. And of course, there are other things on your website that people can go and uh, and, and uh, visit and uh, look to find out more about your organization, about the work that you're doing. Um, uh, the Secret Path uh, is up there for viewing, is it? Uh, yeah, there's a link to The Secret Path, which is hosted on CBC. And and also, um, people can donate, of course, because you, uh, you're looking for donations, I believe. Yep, donations to Downey Wenjack um, support our work to be able uh, to further reconciliation and support our legacy schools and legacy space and reconciliation programming. So, um, of course, as a charitable organization, we accept donations, but that's not the focus of a day to listen. It our role in that was really just to help create space to hear Indigenous voices. Mm. And uh, that's that's the important part is that right. Canadians come with open hearts and open minds to, to listen. Right. 
Sarah, is there anything uh, that we haven't touched on about the day of June 30th or a day to listen that uh, you feel is important to mention just before we finish up? I think, you know, we're at a we're at a time of reflection and it's it's been really hard as an indigenous person, you know, involved in this work. It, you're we're grieving and, you know, we're trying to help facilitate conversations about the next step forward. And one thing that I think is important to just recognize is, you know, being mindful and gentle and sensitive with folks that might be experiencing this grief and trauma and pain differently than you. And to think that about the fact that there is not one solution, there is not one prescribed path forward um, that is going to lead us towards what reconciliation might mean. Hmm. But it's important to continue to lean in and stay committed to this work because we will find a path forward together. And by learning more and by being um, gentle and open and acknowledging the truth that's happened in this country, it's it's a good first step. Mm. Nicely said, said, Sarah. And I want to say Nyawa and Miigwech for taking the time for, to join us on the show and share this about uh, June 30th, A Day to Listen, which people will be hearing on uh, many stations right across the country, including Element FM, starting at 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. And as uh, Sarah pointed out, uh, that uh, is all about, in recognition of National Indigenous History Month, uh, and many broadcasters coming together to join in unprecedented collaboration to amplify, elevate, listen to, and learn from Indigenous voices with a day to listen. And uh, that is in partnership with the Gore Downey and Chani Wenjack Fund. And it's dedicated to sharing stories from Indigenous leaders, residential school survivors, elders, musicians, and teachers uh, throughout the day. So, uh, Sarah, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show to talk about this. And as we leave the show, uh, I'm going to uh, give out some of those numbers that we spoke about uh, that that people can turn to if they feel they are triggered or if they feel they need some support uh, that they can call. So I'm going to give some of those numbers out as well. So thanks again, Sarah, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. You take care and look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you so much. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. And that is the voice of Sarah Medanik. She is the president and CEO of the Gord Downey Chani Wenjack Fund. And as I mentioned, just before we sign off, I'm going to give you some of those numbers that we spoke about that if you feel you need support, you can call the Canadian Suicide Prevention Service 24-hour crisis line. And that is at 1-833-456-4566. Or you can text 456-45, 4pm to 12am Eastern Time. There's also a Kids Help phone line for 24-hour service. That is 1-800-668-6868. Or you can text CONNECT to 686868. The Canada Suicide Prevention Service 24-hour crisis line is 1-833-456-456. 
And that is this part of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, June 30th, a day to listen. You will be hearing a lot about that, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on uh, broadcast stations right across Canada. We'll be right back with more right here on Element FM right after this. It didn't happen far away. It didn't happen a long time ago. It happened here in our lifetime. Over 150,000 Indigenous children were taken away to residential schools. They lost their language, culture, traditions, and teachings. And thousands of those children lost their lives. We might feel helpless in the face of these tragedies, but we aren't. We can do something. We can listen. Tomorrow, Canadian Radio, in partnership with the Gord Downey and Cheney Wenjack Fund, will come together to listen to the voices of Indigenous people in Canada, to hear their stories, to learn. Tomorrow, a day to listen. To learn more, visit downeywenjack.ca. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That, of course, is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. And if you download the iHeartRadio app, you can take us with you anywhere you go. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show today, I have with me the director of a new podcast show on CBC. Ozzy Michelin is here. He's an Inuk from Northwest River, Labrador, where he grew up in a large family of storytellers. And I guess that is an advantage to him as the director of a podcast show that is uh, talking to some degree, I guess, about stories and about Indigenous stories. It's about, actually, it's called Telling Our Twisted Histories. Now, it launched on May 31st, and it is hosted by... Thank you very much for that. Is she from Ganawage? Yes, she is. Just, yeah. uh, I'm here in Montreal right now, and Ganawage uh, is just across the uh, St. Lawrence from us. And Ozzy, it's a great pleasure to have you here with us on the show to talk about this new series, which, as I say, it launched on May 31st, and people can go uh, to CBC Listen and uh, catch some of these some of these episodes that have already been recorded and are up there online. Correct. Yep, uh, we're going to have 11 episodes uh, in total, and I believe we're, we have four that have come out, uh, the fifth one coming out on Monday. Okay, and so it's a pleasure to have you here to talk about us. Can you take us back to tell us a little bit maybe of why it, it was felt necessary to, to put a, a podcast like this together? Yeah, well... It's such a simple concept. In mm. each episode, uh, we focus on a different word that we have different Indigenous people decolonizing. That sounds like a, a lot, but really it's just we asked, um, we had a, about 70, 70 to 75 different conversations with different Indigenous people all across the area of uh, Quebec into Labrador and New Brunswick as well. And we just asked people, what do you think of these words? Mm. How do these words affect you? How do they make you feel? What do you want people to know about these words? You know, what do you want? How do you want to see them change? What will make you feel better about it? Or how have these words, how have they evolved in your communities and changed and you've reclaimed them? So um, it's just a really, it, it's, it's really simple, mm-hmm. but it's really powerful. And one of the things that I love the most about this is, that, you know, there's, there's no experts on this series telling you how you should think. <laughs> it's just everyday, regular Indigenous folks just saying, 
this is how I'm affected. Mm. And I think that's just the best way to learn about anybody, really. Yeah, it is for sure. And, you know, as I'm looking at the website right now and I see some of the episodes that are up there, I, it was the first one Indian time. Is that what the, the first one was? Called? Oh, that was our most recent uh, okay. discovery uh, we decided to okay. lead with because yep. it's, uh, it's a good it's a good starting point. <laughs> and um, if you ever want to, like, elicit a reaction in a room full of indigenous people, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, discovery is one of those words that will get people like rolling their eyes and groaning. Uh, so, so it's it's really talking about the the idea of the world or or Turtle Island being discovered, um, in, in that sense, right? Yep. And we also have um, one of the interviews I thought was really interesting came from uh, Inuk uh, Olivia Ike Duncan, mm-hmm. and um, Olivia talked about um, this when uh, when you hear things about like scientists saying they have. Uh, discovered that uh, the the Inuit double-layered parka, for example, is one of the warmest ways to keep warm in the Arctic. Mm. And it's like, well, we already knew this, (laughs) but the scientists are just realizing (laughs) this as well. So we can even talk about people discovering indigenous knowledge that we've already known. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of these, like, we told you so moments. And it's it's just a word that uh, means that you're the first. And in, in a lot of indigenous cultures, we don't really even use that word. I've had many a conversation with some uh, some scholars and, and, and people on the show that I, I say the exact same thing about, well, there's this indigenous knowledge that's been around for thousands of years, and just because somebody comes forward with a PhD uh, at the end of their name, all of a sudden it's their information, you know? Yeah, and that, that's part of what the, the series kind of does is for a long time, the stories of indigenous people, mm. they, they were hidden. They mm. were they were kept to our communities and they didn't go much further beyond unless that had an expert, quote unquote, mm-hmm. such as a scholar, a researcher, a priest, a bureaucrat, a lawyer, someone like that to bring it out. But now it's not like that anymore. And we have indigenous people telling indigenous stories and it feels really fresh. I think it feels really interesting right. for indigenous people. We've always known our stories are, yeah. are great and that yeah. our perspectives are interesting. And it's that now that it's getting out and we're hearing it and we're seeing how it resonates. It's really exciting for us, but then for everybody else, you know, some of these old stereotypes, they're getting tired, <laughs> you yeah. know, like Pocahontas, which is right. one of our words coming up. Mm. You've heard it done a million different ways and there's no other way to do it. Right. But when you actually hear indigenous people talking about, you know, um, like the indigenous women in leadership or mm. um, things mm-hmm. like this, like, like it's, it's completely turned on its head and it feels really exciting and fresh and new. And I think a lot of that comes through in the series. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to discovery and just the words and the kind of things and the knowledge that you were talking about there, uh, it, it also begs a further question, I guess, if you wanted to take it that way. And that is, of course, uh, cultural appropriation, right? When, when people have taken knowledge and made it their own, when it's really and not, not giving uh, proper credit to the indigenous people or the cultures or that knowledge that it was born from. And, and it's never as good. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing is that it's always subpar when it's someone ripping off yeah. indigenous culture and trying to pretend to, that it's theirs or reimagining or reinterpreting because it's all been done so many times. And yeah. that's that's the great and exciting thing about having indigenous people telling our own stories and, you know, sharing our own culture and our, our own items is that they're, they're, they're not what people expect them to be. They're really exciting. It's really it's really amazing to see the different twists and turns that Indigenous people will make on these things. Mm. And I don't think that that can be really captured 
by anybody else who doesn't have this lived experience. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I'm, I'm glad to see that you're, you're talking to everyday people because even within the indigenous community, people are going to have, for instance, a different take on the word Indian, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like to be called that? Do you want to be called First Nation? And some people are fine with being called Indian, right? Yep. Oh, exactly. And it really is a case by case thing. And I think that that's one of the neat things about everybody just talking about one word mm. or one or one phrase. It's that you can see, you know, all the variety of opinions and how we're different. But also, you know, you see a lot of like similarities and things that we have in common. Mm. So it, 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 it does show our, our just variety and just how dynamic all the different opinions and perspectives are. And also for Indigenous people, it's nice to, I, I, we're always fascinated to know, you know, what our, 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 our neighbors, you know, other Indigenous people in other places, how they live their lives and what, the, what their perspectives are and how they're similar to us and how they're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy, I'm wondering now as we, we talk more about this, what I want to know is what you have learned from picking these single words and exploring them in terms of how the words and, and how colonialism has specifically impacted the word and, and twisted it, or the fact that it may be a colonial word to begin with, and, and it, it's right off from the get-go, it's, it's not the best word to use. Well, um, yeah, I think uh, we have an upcoming episode on the word savage mm. and how this word just gets thrown around in advertising and marketing and media. And it's always something that made me cringe. Personally, like it's just whenever I hear it, I cringe. Mm. And I've wondered, like, is, is, does everybody else do this? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. does everybody else find this word sure. just a bit off-putting? Yep. And as we, as I went through the interviews in and listened to everybody's perspectives in different places, from you know, uh, from I'm just trying to think, yeah, from over twenty-five different communities, and yeah, yeah, we all do. Mm. And, know, then I, and also as well, um, I, I got to learn a lot about uh, the points of views, the spiritualities, and the sort of world, yeah, just the, the way that these folks see the world in different communities and areas that I never really had a lot of chance to go to. Mm. And I've got to see how they're similar to the people that I know already and how they're different. And that was that's just really exciting for me personally. I guess the other thing about exploring a single word across Canada being the the large country that it is from west to east and then north. Uh, I had the pleasure of of spending some time in the north a couple of times uh, when I was working for APTN. And, you know, one of the things that that really stood out to me that I remember, uh, aside from just the the physicality of the north and, 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 and being there both in sort of June temperature and then in November temperature uh, and, and seeing how the landscape changed and, and, and that kind of thing. But I remember seeing a, a, a picture of the, of, of the world, of the map, of the north, uh, you know, of Canada. But it wasn't from the perspective from the south. It was from the north looking south. Oh, I know the map you mean. Yeah. yeah. And, and I went, wow, like there, it, right there, wow. I, that always stuck with me. And I, I always remember right there, that's a, that's a huge difference in perspective of what this country looks like. And, and it always stuck with me. Um, so uh, 
I guess because of that vast difference that we have, just going from because so many nations uh, from east to west, uh, from First Nation to Inuit, Métis, all these people are, are going to have a different take on it depending on where they are, uh, and and maybe even the landscape they are they're born into. Yeah, oh, completely. And I think we talked a lot about this in our uh, on the reserve episode because mm. I, I I had to divide it between northern and southern reserves right. in terms of people talking about their experiences because mm. the north and the south, even in in the indigenous world, is so completely different from each other. Mm. And um, and I think that that and that was really as a northerner myself, that was something that was living in the south. That was something that was really important to me because I think that and for indigenous people living in the south. You know, it's good to hear Northern perspectives. It's yeah. good to hear how we're different. Mm-hmm. And I think it really came across. And then also, yeah, it was a reserve episode as well. And I made, I made, I made very, very like a strong effort to make sure that this happened, that I got one of our Inuit participants to talk about how Inuit don't live on reserves. Mm-hmm. We live in communities. Right. And that uh, most of our communities uh, weren't necessarily set up as reserves but they were set up as trading posts uh or by missionaries yeah. and that they were uh our, that our towns were controlled by the hudson's bay as opposed mm. to the state mm. and you know it, and it's good to make to to point out how we're so different right and but also as we were talking about how we're so different you hear about how we're also similar even though we're from so many different places uh we talked to really just like everybody that whose nations and lands now comprise the province of Quebec. But then also there's, uh, we talked to some Maliseet, some Avalostaque uh, folks mm. uh, who are down in New Brunswick because their lands extend up into what is now Quebec. And uh, we talked to uh, someone from Labrador as well, which was great uh, for me because, you know, it's all the same land. And mm-hmm. we didn't want to necessarily uh, uh, stick to colonial borders as much. Mm. Well, that's another one, isn't it? The, the borders uh, and and how some communities uh, uh, straddle the border, uh, you know, and, and those kind of things in terms of reserves or now reserve and reservation. Did you guys come up against that that uh, definition? Um, no, we we really. Uh, I guess reservation is what they use uh, uh, down south. In, yeah. uh, in the states. Yeah. yeah. No, we didn't really come up with that. No one really. No one really mentioned the difference <laughs> uh, between the two. <laughs> That's interesting, but yet you hear a lot of people use it inter, you know, mm-hmm. either or kind of thing at, at times. Yeah, uh, but there's a really sweet uh, that episode. I, I really liked how it ended because it, it finished with um, um a lady who was uh, she's a mother and she talked about oh no I I don't call it the reserve anymore I call it the res that's our <laughs> word that's what the kids call it you know like I, we've taken it and it's evolved and yeah. it's ours and I just thought that was so. So special. Yeah, right. And it's true. It's very it's true. true. It's very true. It's very true. That's great. Love it. Um, just want to tell everyone that you're listening to Element FM. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest on the show is Ozzy Michelin, and he is the uh, director for a new podcast uh, program on CBC, and it is called Telling Our Twisted Histories. It launched on May 31st. You can go to their website to uh, find out more and listen to the uh, stories that are online, uh, the sessions they have up there. There's about four up there right now. There's Discovery, Reserve, school, family names, and Indian time that are up there right now that I can see. And uh, it's a pleasure to have Ozzy on the show talking about this stuff. Ozzy, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to the word savage for a second, only because Mm -hmm. 
I, you know, I too cringe when I hear that. But I remember a, 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 a First Nation person describing it, and I'm not sure if it was a, 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 a traditional chief or who it was that was talking about the word savage. And he referred to, he said it, it was taken from the French word savage. And, yep. and then he described how savage actually means something else altogether, I think. Yep. Yep. Um, and we, this was kind of discussed as well because it was, um, this is made in Quebec. We spoke with lots of Francophone folks mm. as well. Mm. Uh, there's a French version of the podcast uh, mm. and that's how actually how it all started. Mm. Um, but we do talk about it and Sauvage basically means uh, in nature, wild, right. uh, like that. And it doesn't yeah. really have as much as calling somebody un sauvage is that's derogatory, but the word itself yes. just means in nature. Right. Right, interesting, and uh, and you know I've heard a, I've heard a couple of people say that over the years, but it's it, it's a it's like you said, it's a very interesting discussion to have, and this podcast certainly is is interesting because it explores a single word and then takes that and allows people to, as you say, just tell their story and their relationship to that word, basically, right? Yeah, and and we really made this with the the philosophy of, and we call it telling our twisted histories mm. because. If you if you don't get to tell your his, your own stories, if you don't get to tell your own histories, uh, and other people are the ones doing it, eventually something's going to get twisted. They're going to miss a, a you know a nuance. They're going to not realize an important detail. They're going to craft it based on their own stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So we're un, we're untangling and untwisting our, our stories and presenting them to you just exactly as they are, exactly as we feel. And I think that's it's just it's just so special. It, it's it's so simple. But it's just, just so effective. It is. And, and I guess the other thing, you know, it, it goes back to trying to unravel all this uh, colonial uh, sort of life that has been breathed into First Nation people right across the country um, just by starting with these, these simple things, which, of course, our lives are very complicated in terms of getting right into residential school and, and all the other things that impacted First Nation people. And, and sadly, of course, we know this, uh, that, that just recently we've had a couple of, of discoveries of these mass graves and, and those kind of things that we're hearing about. Those are going to really, of course, uh, those stories are really going to be uh, taking up a lot of the news. And, but, but hopefully, I guess, they'll start to be, come out of this something good eventually. We do have to go down this dark road of discovery uh, and look at these things. And, and hopefully all of Canada will embrace it and look at it and, and sober up to the, to the reality of what happened to Indigenous people in this country. Yeah, and, and like you said, these are some really big and complex conversations. And the nice thing about focusing on a word per episode is that these are really good entry points. They're yeah. really good places to start. If you don't know where to start, start with one word. Yeah. Now, there's another word that comes to mind that I don't see here. You haven't mentioned it yet, but I, I hear it in, in, in the episodes. And I'm sure that maybe you've got one coming up on this. Humor. Um, no, we didn't actually have one on the word humor, uh, okay. but the entire series, we made yeah. sure that you would hear indigenous humor all throughout it because we love to laugh mm-hmm. and it just felt natural. And we really made sure, you know, to, to just, what indigenous person doesn't like to tease folks? We, we tried to include teasing <laughs> and humor in the whole series right. and try to keep, you know, we talked about some heavy stuff, but we wanted to keep it, you know, light so that you can listen to the episode and digest it. And, you know, it's not so heavy. It's not mm-hmm. so much to bear because oh, yeah. 
even though it, we, as indigenous people, we've been through a lot of colonial trauma. Yeah. Um, if we only show that, you don't show the whole truth. And the whole truth involves a lot of humor, a lot of laughter, a lot of teasing. I don't think you could call it an indigenous series if it didn't include humor, really, right? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I would just be so sterile yeah. and not us. Yeah, I would. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And we also, you know, uh, Ganya Dio, our, ho- our host, mm. uh, she did such a great job. We made sure that there was lots of instances where she could insert herself, talk about her life, or make mm. a joke. If she if she wanted to crack a joke somewhere, we're like, yeah, please do include it, you know? Mm. Uh, Ozzy, did you go to the communities themselves to do this? When when did this series start? When did you start, uh, you know, gathering the information and and start recording these these um, these interviews? Yep. So that uh, the the podcast began as a francophone podcast mm. created by Terry New. It mm. was um, Karen Lenoir Brian who came up with the idea of each of the words and uh, they made the podcast in French. I was already working with them uh, doing research up in Nunavik for a TV series that they're working on. And they said to me during the time I was, while I was up there, um, Oh, Hey, we're making a podcast. Uh, we'll keep you posted. We know you do this kind of stuff. Mm. And they made the, uh, they went and did uh, over 70 interviews mm. and then uh, uh, in English and French, mainly in French mm. and made this French podcast called La Seigneur Contre, and it won all these awards. It won Best Podcast Series at the Paris uh, Podcast <laughs> Festival. It won a bunch of awards here, uh, uh, digital media awards here in Canada. And uh, they asked me, like, hey, we have over 20 in, uh, interviews of, in English. Do you want to make the English version of this for the CBC? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure. This sounds like a great idea. And then as I started reading through uh, uh, the different transcripts and listening to them, I just mm-hmm. knew we had something really special from the get-go. Mm. That sounds wonderful. So you're going to have uh, an ele- 11 episodes altogether that you're, we're going to be hearing, correct? Yep. Uh, and that's because in the province of Quebec, there are 10 First Nations and the Inuit. So 11 different Indigenous groups. So that's why we aim for that number. Right. So is there a thought of perhaps continuing this? Um, we haven't discussed it yet, but I would love to. There, there's a whole list of other words I'd love to use someday. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, just sitting around having some conversations about the show uh, and exploring these, uh, that a number of new uh, keywords pop up, and uh, and 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 you probably guys have probably had a number of uh, very pleasant or humorous conversations among yourselves. Oh yeah, and lots of uh, suggestions and things. Personally, I would love to do cousin. That that would be the word that I would choose. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> For sure, for sure. You know, uh, I, oh, oh, I got to tell you my story now with that, because um, I grew up uh, off reserve and I knew very little about my history, as many people did. Uh, I, I didn't know my father, which is the side of my my indigenous side, and uh, and I only knew the the reserve and the nation. And that's all I knew. And eventually, I had to start discovering this on my own. And when I went to uh, Six Nations and started to explore this, my my family name was very familiar, uh, and of course, over time, uh, I can't tell you how many times people would come up to me and say, hey, I think we're related, I think we're cousins. So, yeah. uh, you know, but uh, it, it just, you know, it, it's it's a very humorous thing as well that uh, that is used in, in that regard as well. 
Oh yeah, and um, we talk about this a little bit in the uh, the family names episode, mm. where we talk about where people got their different last names, mm. and, you know, what it's like to be part of a big family. Mm. Some people talk about uh, traditional names and spirit mm. names, mm-hmm. and talk about some other people talk about the origin of their family name if it was colonial or if it was in their language. And um, personally, that's that, I, that's my favorite episode. I mm. just love hearing about. Uh, where everybody comes from and how they're connected to their families and their communities. Uh, where I come from, we ask people who owns you. Mm-hmm. And that means like, you know, who's your family. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Ozzy, from the episodes that you've talked about, you said you, you've, you love this, uh, the family names one. Um, what would you say though, is that uh, it sounds like this is also an educational series though, you know, even though there's lots of humor and it's uh, simple words that people are exploring, but it sounds very educational. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot to learn from this, and um and and for for settlers, there's all kinds of great places to to dive in and start and learn about indigenous stuff. Mm-hmm. But also for indigenous people, it's a great way to see ourselves reflected. But it's also a great great way to learn about you know some of the other uh, nations or the Inuit or the Métis, you know, to learn about other groups of indigenous people besides our own and to hear their perspective on things too. Mm-hmm. So you really get to just yeah, you just get to hear what it's like from a whole bunch of different groups of people from different places and different lived realities, but they're all indigenous. Mm, yeah. Ozzy, we're, we're going to finish up in a couple of minutes. I'm just wondering, though, you're a nook. You're from, uh, from the Northwest River in Labrador. Whereabouts is that located? That's in central Labrador, um, okay. outside of Happy Valley Goose Bay. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's about like, yeah, I think my town's like 450 people. I'm going back next week once the, once the provincial borders open up. Mm. Um, and you grew up there, obviously. Yep. Uh, I was there for um, like all my schooling and then I left for university. And um, I go back every year for at least a month if I can help it. And um, I lived there as well for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, actually, when I was working for APTN, my, mm. I did my final two years at APTN, mm. uh, working on oh, the final year at APTN, uh, doing a living room, <laughs> uh, living room uh, headquarters for APTN Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, what was that like for you, if you don't mind me asking, going from a community of 450 people and off to university? Oh, I um, had, I've had the travel bug my entire life and mm. I've always wanted to see the world and right. I've always wanted to like go to the cities and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a country boy at heart. And I'm mm. always so happy to go home and go kayaking and go off and go fishing and things like that. But I've always been excited by the cities and even now to this day, I just bounce back and forth between Labrador and Montreal Mm. and I I, I just love it. I love both so much and both speaks to me in different ways and yeah, but it's with the pandemic, it's harder to get home and I am very homesick right now. Mm. Uh, We're going to go into the province July 1st once it opens up for tourism and I'm going to have a big old feed of salmon. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good. Now, a large family, what does a large family mean for you uh, in terms of a number of, of people in your family? Oh, I have hundreds of cousins. Um, <laughs> from my grandfather down, we did the math one year, and there's about 300 of us, I think, wow. alive right now. <laughs> wow. That, that's that's almost the size of your, your village that you're, you're from. <laughs> yeah, all my cousins are spread out all around the, all around the country as well. And people say that's my superpower is that I always have a cousin mm. in every city. Like, right. And it's true. Most cities I go to, I can find a relative if I try hard enough. Right. Now, just on, on a physical level of being in your community, if I say Northwest River to you, um, mm. 
you know, I don't know what the landscape is like. I have a sort of a sense of it. But what what are the what are the days like? What are the sunsets like? What are the what are the morning rises like in your community? Oh yeah, well, Northwest River is uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a uh, it's a peninsula, and uh, we have beautiful sunrises on. Uh, the east side of town and beautiful sunsets on the west side of town mm. and it's 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 beautiful this time of the year um it's uh it's super long days mm. it just gets kind of hit like twilight at night right um and it's one of my favorite times of the year july is salmon season so my brother will be setting his nets uh, real soon and bringing back fish for all of us and um yeah it's it's uh, just trees and mountains and rivers as far as you can see it's a uh, 23 hours of driving from montreal and i count myself very lucky because we actually have a road <laughs> yeah i can ask you about roads in fact thinking about being in the north and what that was like uh when i stayed with the family in uh Akviet, uh there were no roads i was fortunate mm-hmm. enough to have the use of a of an actual vehicle not an atv but i had actually had a jeep when i was up there at the the um, fortunate use of, of the family i was i was staying with so uh yeah i i can appreciate that very much Ozzy, yeah. it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us and, and talk about uh, this this new podcast that is on CBC Listen, Telling Our Twisted Histories. And it launched on May 31st, so you can go to a CBC Listen and check out those series. And there's going to be a new one every week up until uh, August sometime. August 2nd, I believe, is the last one when the last one yep, comes out. that's when our last one comes out. So, Jimmy Gretchenyawago, uh, Ozzy, appreciate you joining us. And, uh, and all the best. See you in the future. Yeah, thank you. Nekumek. Okay, take care. All right, thanks. Yep, bye-bye. That is award-winning journalist Ozzy Michelin, and he is the director of the new show I was telling you about, Telling Our Twisted Histories. He just reminded me of another word I used. In Akviet, they would say, matna. So, matna and koyanamik for listening to this portion of the show. I'm your host, David Moses. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.